Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest on Minsher enrollment amid COVID-19, a unique perspective from a National Guard member in the wake of recent unrest, and the Northwoods League is saying it's time to play ball. But first, the 2020 special session adjourned at the state capitol last week with no agreements on a bonding bill, COVID-19 aid, or police accountability reform. The Republicans have an unrealistic timeline for how quickly human beings can accomplish systemic change to address a fundamentally racist police system that was developed from a slave-catching operation. House Speaker Melissa Hortman responding to the session's lack of productivity. Governor Tim Walz called the session a failure and said the people of Minnesota should be disappointed. Lawmakers seemed close to a deal on police accountability, but before an agreement was reached, the Senate adjourned and then the House. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said just before wrapping things up, I do believe that we'll have another special session. I told the governor that anything that we agree on, that we put together, that it's written down, that the language is there, we should come back for that. And that appears to be very likely where things are headed, another special session. I spoke with Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear to try and make sense of it all. Well, first of all, uh, it operated, the special session operated under extraordinary circumstances. First of all, in the wake of all the riots and the destruction. And second of all, because the session really began without any previously agreed upon legislative items that could be passed in the special session. That's how most special sessions in the past have operated. So in the midst of a big uh, calamity like the riots, you get a very divided partisan response across the parties, and there's no prior agreement on legislation. That's a perfect formula for inaction. And obviously that's what happened. Now, uh, can you just put in perspective for me where you think, uh, other than the fact that they started without an agreement, where things fell apart? It appeared as though very early Saturday morning, the two sides, the Senate Republicans and the House Democrats, were, were working towards coming closer on police accountability, and then nothing. What do you, what right. do you think happened? Well, I think they ran out of time because uh, uh, there was a time limit imposed by the uh, Senate majority leadership, the Republican leadership in the Senate. Uh, if there is momentum, that momentum has to be pursued through uh, bargaining between the party leaders now before a special session is called. I would think the clear message to the governor, the Democratic House, and Republican Senate is that they need to sit down iron out their agreements, agree on legislation, and then call a special session that lasts maybe one day. That's the only way they'll get through this. For the time being, uh, and it's almost inevitable that that is going to happen, it seems like all sides are, are, are pushing for that or at least open to it, depending on which side of things you're on. Who, who comes away from where things are now, the winner and the loser? Well, uh, right now you have to give uh, you have to say we're uh, you have to give the grade of incomplete to all of this because uh, if there ultimately is no deal, then I think you'll see a lot of car- partisan finger pointing. Uh, if deals are occur and there's general agreement on the way forward, I think that helps just about all incumbents. 
All right. And is there anything else on the special session that you wanted to add? Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, you know, uh, when you look at the pressure for police reform, there are a couple things to note. First of all, uh, the the uh, protesters don't have a short and clear agenda about police reform. And second of all, they don't have like a single dominant or charismatic leader who's carrying that message to the voters of the state. And they really need a, a short agenda that everybody can understand and a uh, strong, able leadership. And they don't have either of those things. And as a result, when that an issue like that gets to the House and Senate, partisan divisions arise. There are all sorts of details that don't get resolved, and we are where we are today. You know, another big thing that was going to be uh, kind of the primary focus of the regular session was bonding, which uh, didn't happen. It, it didn't really get addressed at all in this special session, and it doesn't seem like lawmakers have had an opportunity to to try to come to any agreement on bonding either. Um, where do you think that's going to be in terms of if they come back for another special session? Well, they really need to agree on a bonding bill in advance, agree on the, the totals and the specific projects uh, in order to proceed with that uh, in the special session. So all this means that there's an awful lot on the table to be resolved. Bonding, uh, police accountability reform are at the top of the uh, agenda. And uh, they have to work through all that and then call a special session. So it may be several weeks before we finally get to a special session, if we get to one at all. And of course, either way, MNN will have all the latest information. Thank you to my guest, Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Nearly 100,000 Minnesotans have accessed health care coverage through Minsure since the COVID-19 pandemic hit. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. As expected, signups across all programs have been driven by concerns amid the pandemic. But we know there are others out there who are currently uninsured and may qualify to sign up. If you've recently lost your employer-sponsored health insurance, had an income change, or have another qualifying life event, you're encouraged to go online to Minsure.org to see if you're eligible. Joining me today is Nate Clark, CEO of Minsure. Obviously, Nate, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the landscape all across the state, and I know health insurance has been a part of that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been seeing and hearing since the coronavirus hit? 
Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. Uh, the pandemic has just really, it's been a game changer and it's, it's changing the way folks, they live, they work. And of course, as part of that, it's also changed the way folks think about their health care and their health insurance. And so since the March 1st, we've been paying attention to the way enrollments have been happening. And what we've seen is that from about March 1st, nearly 100,000 Minnesotans across the state, of course, have, have come to Minsure in order to get access to health care um, through Minsure. Um, during that period, we've had about more than 100, more than 16,500 who have enrolled in private health coverage. And then, and that's about 8,000 more than we've seen in private plans during the same period last year. So twice as many folks are coming through. There is keen interest because everybody just wants to make certain that they're covered. I know the window for coverage shifted a little when the pandemic hit. Are there currently enrollment opportunities for those wanting and needing health insurance coverage? Absolutely, and, and that's a great point. You know, we have an open enrollment period that starts in November of every year, and that's the main time when folks come to the exchange and then they get enrolled in coverage. But we've had two special enrollment periods this year that we've designed specifically in response to to this COVID crisis. The first was something that we opened in between March and April for a 30-day period. Minnesotans could come to the exchange if they were uninsured for any reason and then just get enrolled and covered. And during that period, we saw about 9,400 Minnesotans come in and get coverage. And just after that period, we announced a separate um, open enrollment, and that was for any Minnesotan who is currently enrolled in health insurance outside of Minsure, but if they experience a decrease in income such that they would now be eligible for advanced premium tax credits. So if you are employed with your employer, or if you have employer-sponsored coverage, you've experienced a decrease in income, and you're curious about about whether or not you could get insurance cheaper at Minsure, come to the exchange, create an application, and we can help you answer that question. Nate, I know Minsure is the only place where Minnesota families can apply and take advantage of federal tax credits. Is this still an option during the COVID-19 pandemic? Absolutely. So if you're already enrolled and you're eligible for federal tax credits, you're continuing to receive them. If you're enrolled and you've had a change in your income, you need to let us know about that because we'll do a reevaluation and you actually may be eligible for more benefits than you're currently receiving. And if you're coming to the exchange and you're qualified for special enrollment, you obviously have access to all of those um, benefits. So if you're eligible uh, for for um, credits, you will be receiving them. And so the kind of things that would qualify for someone that for example if you've if you've lost your recent if you've lost your employer sponsored coverage or you've had an income change or there's some other kind of qualifying life event like having a baby you've turned 26 you've moved all of these are things that may qualify you for a special enrollment period but the only way to know is to come to the exchange create an application and then we'll help you understand your options And Nate, sometimes when we talk about tax credit or taxes in general, people sometimes shy away from it. But in this case, the credit really leads to instant savings. Is that fair to say? That's absolutely what they are. What they'll do is if you're eligible for these tax credits, it's an instant deduction from the price of the premium. And so if you come to the exchange and you're found eligible for those tax credits, uh, we will automatically deduct that amount from your monthly premium costs. And the, and the result is that it makes your premiums more affordable. I know obtaining health insurance can sometimes be overwhelming for some, but the good news is Mincher has plenty of resources to help navigate folks through the process. 
Absolutely. So we have a statewide, statewide network of assisters, and these are folks who can help Minnesotans apply and enroll over the phone. That service is free of charge. In order to connect with one of those assisters, just come to Mentor.org. There's a big button on the front page, Find Free Help. Select that, do a search, and you can find someone who will be able to help you. Um, obviously, on the website, we also have other help tools, online tools that folks can use to help answer the questions they might have. And, and we also have a contact center. We're open 8 to 4 every day. Folks can give us a call and we'll be happy to help set them through their process and get them started. And lastly, Nate, who do you encourage to come to Minsure and apply? You know, we encourage everybody. Um, Minnesotans are folks who receive um, coverage through their employers, and that's great. But anyone else who is uninsured or doesn't have access to, to, to employer-sponsored coverage should always come to the exchange and see what their options are. You know, one thing we've seen is that many folks always assume that either they're not eligible or that they won't find um, they won't be they won't re receive tax credits. But the only way way to know for sure is to come to the exchange, create an application, and see. More, more often than not, what we find is that folks who are uninsured and who think that they may not qualify, they do an application and end up realizing that there are benefits available to them. So we always tell folks, don't leave money on the table. Come to the exchange. Um, create an application. Let us help you understand what your coverage options are. Because now more than ever, it's just really important that folks are covered and that they have access to health insurance. Thanks again to my guest, Nate Clark, CEO of Minsure. For more information on the different healthcare plans, you can head online to the exchange at minsure.org to see if you qualify. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Food and supply drives popped up across the Twin Cities and around the state to benefit those affected by rioting and unrest in Minneapolis and St. Paul in the wake of George Floyd's death. As reporter J.W. Cox tells us, one successful donation drive was organized by someone who witnessed the need firsthand as part of the Minnesota National Guard's response during a chaotic week in late May. Scott, for Zach Duckworth, a Lakeville small business owner, local politician, and Minnesota National Guard soldier, the decision to organize a donation drive to benefit those struggling in the Twin Cities started with a simple question. Who's most in need right now in terms of people that have been directly affected by uh, some of the things that occurred in terms of uh, you know, places that were burned, stores that are no longer in business where people might be getting their groceries and items that they need? And for us, we knew, hey, this might be affecting the Twin Cities. It might be uh, happening in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, but, you know, there's so much more to Minnesota, whether it's the suburbs or the, or the outer areas that can also contribute. And, you know, bringing those supplies there to them directly to get distributed to those families in need uh, was a no-brainer in terms of just you know, let's organize a drive and get it trucked up there and, and get it into the hands of the people that need it most. The drive resulted in a trailer full of diapers, food, hygiene items, all delivered to Bethlehem Lutheran Church in the St. Paul Midway neighborhood. Duckworth says the response went well beyond his home community. The response was overwhelming. It's something we actually did uh, in the South Metro as well as Rochester, Minnesota, because I have a, an office there. I'm a small business owner. And uh, what we discovered in talking with a lot of people throughout the community is many of them felt that they wanted to do something. They wanted to contribute to what was going on and the families and communities up there that were kind of uh, displaced or not able to get the bare essentials that they needed. Uh, but they just didn't know what to do. And seeing our event where they knew they could bring 
supplies and that we would truck it up there was a way that they could contribute. So we had a lot of people that were fired up to contribute and were thankful to uh, to see a way or have a way to to do that. Many of us only experience the unrest in the Twin Cities from afar, but as a National Guard soldier, Duckworth saw it up close. Being there and seeing what was going on and being able to contribute to uh, you know, hopefully kind of calming things down, allowing things to return to a more orderly, uh, peaceful uh, situation was, uh, it was humbling to be a part of that, to experience what was going on, to allow people to demonstrate and say what they had to say, but also try to bring a little bit of of safety to what was what was occurring. That first-hand experience stuck with Duckworth even after his activation ended. The first actually thing we did was, you know, a lot of the, the soldiers were called upon at a very short notice, so they were literally, we were just grabbing our stuff and, and going to the armory and being sent out to help in any way we could. And in doing so, we didn't have much time to plan or gather uh, some of the supplies that we would normally take with us. So the first drive we actually organized, I did this in conjunction with my parents uh, via phone communication while I was up there, was, Let's, let's collect some stuff for the troops. So the first trailer event we actually did was hauling a bunch of stuff from the community uh, into Minneapolis so that we could distribute it to all the soldiers who didn't really grab all the stuff they might need. And then having seen the success of that and the willingness of the community to contribute to something like that, we raised you know thousands of dollars in a matter of a day. I thought to myself, I, we can do the same thing for the community here. And that's really how the idea came about. I was driving home from being activated with the National Guard, still thinking about what I had seen, what I had experienced, and asked myself, how do we help those people? And I thought to myself, uh, I think we can do the same exact thing we did for the soldiers. We just need to apply it to the community and the families in need. That's what we did, and uh, thankfully we found some success. Duckworth, who started a campaign for his local state Senate seat in January, says that kind of platform is not a requirement to make an impact. That could be me being a little bit naive, uh, but here's the deal. I'm not in office right now. I'm, I'm certainly running for it, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm just an average citizen, uh, business owner, somebody who's connected to the community, and that's really who we talk to. We talk to uh, other community members who had a desire to give, so my recommendation would be uh, we did leverage the power of social media. So we posted and shared on Facebook what we were looking to do, uh, got the attention of uh, some news organizations that helped us get our word out as well. Despite the lasting trauma brought on by the unrest, Duckworth is optimistic the voices of inclusion and care are finding ways to strike back against the voices of violence and division. We certainly see the spectrum, and some of it is still still ongoing. Uh, and I think what it uh, reveals to us more than anything is, um, you know, even though uh, events might occur that, that, uh, that cause a lot of emotion, uh, cause people to, to speak out, uh, oftentimes rightfully so and very justified in doing so, uh, that having those conversations or having those events, having those discussions and having that dialogue is an important process of people holistically understand what's truly occurring, uh, which will allow us to hopefully at some point in the not too distant future have constructive dialogue and collaboration uh, to effect a meaningful and lasting change because I don't think there's any doubt uh, that that's something that's needed right now. You know, I said before, I've never been prouder to be a member of the Guard. I'm also extremely proud and thankful to be a Minnesotan. Uh, to see the, the community, the outreach, people coming together, uh, oftentimes with tears in their eyes because they're so uh, passionate about helping those in need, was really something uh, very special. To see our state come together and provide for people in need, our fellow Minnesotans in need, is, is awe-inspiring. It's something I'll, I'll certainly never forget. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Northwoods League announced this week the start of an updated baseball season featuring a pod of four teams from Minnesota and a fifth from Iowa. Competition is set to start on July 1st with the season running through August 20th. Mankato, Rochester, St. Cloud, and Wilmer are the four Minnesota-based teams, while Waterloo is the Iowa entry. The president of the Northwoods League, Great Plains Division, Glenn Showalter, spoke with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm on the start of the updated schedule. The last few months have been challenging. They've been challenging, obviously, for the entire country, for all of us. And uh, I think the, the league's approach, uh, really from the beginning, has been to be patient, nimble, and innovative. And we communicated early on uh, that once uh, we could play baseball in our local communities safely, uh, we would do so, that we would plan that. Uh, the teams have done a wonderful job uh, working with their their local health officials following uh, state and, and federal guidelines, creating their COVID-19 preparedness plans, and basically putting a plan in place to over-deliver for the fans, the players, the coaches, uh, their staff, in terms of safety in all regards. And uh, we are happy uh, to announce that on July 1, uh, as you alluded to, um, we will have the Minnesota-Iowa pod uh, season opener, and we've got five teams in that pod, so there will be two games a night. One team will have an off off night when they play, and we are really looking forward to uh, that July 1 opener, as uh, I think many of our fans are. People are ready to see baseball. Yeah, and I was going to ask you specific to fans now, and we'll talk about players and coaches and those people involved as well, but from a fan standpoint, um, take us through kind of what guidelines have to be in place, and when you're dealing with two states, does you know is there a difference between what might happen in Waterloo and what might happen in Wilmer, and, uh, and, and uh, how hard that has been to, to try to piece everything together to make sure everyone uh, stays healthy? I think it has been uh, a challenge, but again, the teams have been rigorous in their uh, creation of their uh, preparedness plans, and they have done a wonderful job uh, creating good plans, uh, which adhere to their uh, local, uh, state, and federal guidelines in terms of uh, safety measures that have to be taken. Uh, we're, we're very pleased uh, with the amount of effort that has gone in and the innovativeness of our teams to create a, a safe, uh, fun atmosphere. Uh, a lot of the safety measures the, that, that most of us hear about, uh, you know, uh, on a daily basis, uh, they would be familiar with, uh, you know, the staff will be wearing masks, there will be hand sanitizer, 
uh, in uh, you know multiple locations throughout the facility. Uh, social distancing uh, will be um, uh, you know practice. Um, each team has a full plan uh, that they have developed and uh, they, they will follow on, on game days to make sure that their fans and, and players and staff and everybody are safe and that they're comfortable and that everybody can have a, a good experience, a fun experience, and enjoy baseball again. Glenn, what about players and coaches and staff and, and that kind of stuff also to kind of make sure that they uh, you know, are healthy uh, in a safe spot and, and maybe do, will they be getting tested or if they start getting symptoms? I mean, how, how will that all work to make sure the teams all stay safe from a player and coach standpoint? Yeah, it's a good question, Mike. Daily screenings um, and temperature checks and uh, isolation in accordance with, again, local, state, and federal guidelines is, is really the, um, uh, the process for each of these teams. Each team has different guidelines based on their locale and or their state. So uh, they, they each have a customized, rigorous safety plan that they will follow. But I think some of the things that you will see at the parks, you know, most of us have heard about, you know, uh, for staff, uh, you know, good hand-washing processes, uh, you know, 20 seconds plus, you know, hand sanitizer located throughout the facility for everyone's use, social distancing practices, um, you know, throughout masks, the use of masks for for staff and others as appropriate, uh, daily screenings and temperature checks. And really, I think the, the message here is that the teams are doing everything they can to over-deliver for everyone, uh, to make everyone feel comfortable and feel like they are in a, a, a safe environment uh, where they can have fun and enjoy the great game of baseball. Yeah, and as people start looking forward to that uh, opportunity, how important was it from a, a league standpoint to get something going? It, really, it seems to me kind of a twofold thing. One, the players, uh, many of these players end up getting drafted or have a chance, and and so from a, and and others may not, but they may be using this as a way to develop because they're sophomores in college and want to be really good as juniors or seniors. And then two, uh, from a business standpoint, local economy. Um, look, there are people that own these teams. There are jobs that, that you know rely on games. So how important was it to get back to it for for a number of reasons? And and uh, when July first and second rolls around, how how fun will it be because of, of some of those reasons as well? Uh, it's a great point, Mike. Uh, obviously, all of us want to uh, see baseball in our, our local communities again for, for numerous reasons that you just alluded to. Um, I think there's been wonderful uh, response from players. Uh, there are more players that want to play in the league uh, than we can fill, and that's not unusual. Uh, typically, there's many more players uh, that want to play in the Northwoods League on a seasonal basis than, than what we have positions for. And uh, the response this year has, has been overwhelming. Uh, the, the players themselves are, are really eager to get out there and you know, work out some kinks, uh, get some rust off, and uh, play the game that they love so much. And, and, um, and the staff and the team owners are as excited to, as they are to be able to provide that to the local communities. And, and uh, we're proud to say that you know, we can start up and provide a, a safe environment for fans in July 1 uh, with our Minnesota and Iowa pod. That's Glenn Showalter of the Northwoods League with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. The Northwoods League is in its 27th year of being a summer development league for players who are enrolled in college. It serves as a valuable training ground for players, coaches, umpires, front office staff, and others. 
That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. 